This is the Daily Detail, powered by 1819 News. Honest News. Alabama. Alabama. Our great state. The voice of Alabama values. Alabama. Unbelievable people. And now, here is Andrea Tice. Well, a new rule has been added to the policies of the Alabama High School Athletic Association. This latest rule is to protect students from being forced to choose athletic tournaments over their faith practices. This rule is a result of athletes at the Oakwood Adventist Academy who stood strong for their religious beliefs as a priority over athletics. They did so by refusing to play their opponents on the day that they normally head to church. The Oakwood Adventist Academy asked for another date to be selected, but the AHSAA refused, and so the team then forfeited the game. Since that latest decision, the AHSAA has reconsidered their stance on the issue and will accommodate the religious beliefs that a school athletic team wishes to uphold and requests. Governor Kay Ivey has praised the Oakwood Adventist Academy for standing up for their convictions, and she even praised the AHSAA for making this latest decision. Well, did you know there's a work strike underway in Alabama's major prisons? The inmates are refusing to work until prison conditions are addressed. An organization called Both Sides of the Wall is supporting this strike and conducted public protests in Alabama's capital city this week. Many family members of inmates are also members of this organization. The strike will affect all major prisons here in Alabama. The Alabama Department of Corrections says they are deploying other security measures into the situation and are working to control the movement of inmates. ADOC Commissioner John Hamm says critical services are not being disrupted. The state has moved forward on the plan to build four new mega prisons in the state with much better living conditions. They did so by securing financing for the projects this past summer, but the building of these prisons is still years away from being completed. The parents of Trustville students are outraged after discovering that there was a death notebook kept by one of the students in which it listed 40 people and their means of dying. The parents are also outraged that school administrators knew about it and covered the story up. The notebook was found in the 2021-22 school year. Reporter Erica Thomas has written a story on the 1819 News website. Thomas found out that the trustful police and student resource officers were not notified of the notebook's existence, nor were the parents even notified that their child had this notebook. The names on the death list included Joe Biden, Donald Trump, other people, including students that attended that school. The same student that wrote the list made a threat this month to the school and has now been sent to an alternative school for the next 20 days. Parents are planning to gather at the next city council meeting to find out why the situation was kept under wraps for the better part of a year. Trustville Police Chief Eric Rush spoke to Erica Thomas saying that in school shootings, too often the warning signs were all there but not taken seriously. Rush says that proper authorities should be notified when these things happen in order to keep children safe. You know, school safety is a top priority for me. And uh, if we don't know stuff's going on, then, then it makes it real, real hard to, to keep that the top priority because it's, we just don't know about it. So we can only do and respond to things that, we, that we're made aware of. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I've been frustrated for over a week. It's been a long week and a half. Is there a plan to protect the student when he comes back to class after his alternative school? I think the I think the administrators do have some type of plan that, that they're that they're working on. 
Speaking of schools and parents, earlier this week, 1819 News dropped an article about a certain organization and its supposedly age-appropriate sex education resources and videos for students. The Daily Detail even played a snippet of that audio for the listeners to decide whether they would want their 10-year-old seeing or hearing a discussion on those topics. 1819's Executive Director Jeff Poor went on Right Side Radio with host Phil Williams to discuss the reactions that have been coming in ever since reporter Craig Monger published his report about the Alabama Campaign for Adolescent Sexual Health. Yeah, we finally heard back from the State Board of Education. Obviously, they were not pleased with the story itself. <laughs> uh, there was a, a little bit of a back and forth, a little give and take there. Uh, some voices were raised, but uh, eventually we found out, uh, discovered that, uh, that that Eric Mackey, Dr. Mackey, never really had said he had never consented to being an, an ex-officio member of the board and ordered the, uh, or uh, asked that this organization, this uh whatever you want to call it, a sexual education organization, remove his name from their website. The uh, uh, what was it? The Alabama Campaign for Adolescent Sexual Health uh, is what they're called. Now, they formerly were known as like the Alabama Campaign to Prevent Teen Pregnancy or something. But, uh, I think they're promoting uh, teen pregnancy the way I read it. Well, yeah, I mean, it's all, it's all, if y'all you, if you haven't seen these videos, they're just absurd. Oh, my uh, gosh. They're, 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 yeah. So anyway, uh, that's the latest on this, that uh, Eric Mackey uh, no, has, has asked for him to be removed from this organization. I still, I'm, I'm not necessarily convinced that this is the end of this, but uh, we'll see. Uh, uh, Dr. Scott Harris, the state health officer, is out of the country. So perhaps that phone call is forthcoming. <laughs> well, first of all, great job to you and your folks at 1819. Um, this is a story that has to be told. But, but here's, here's, here's a couple points that I think need to make sure that this, this story doesn't die for this very reason. Number one, who in God's name does this organization think they are if they can get out there and use literally state officials High-level state officials with their picture and their names as being listed on their board of directors, and we find out now perhaps that wasn't even true. I mean, that's that to me is fraudulent. They're raising money based on that kind of connectivity, and uh, and I, I would say that there's definitely some uh, misappropriation of uh, name ID in that one. Well, if the senator, what if this had happened? What if you or I were on the board, uh, ex officio members on the board, by by virtue of being a uh, uh, esteemed talk show host, uh, some white supremacist group made us ex officio members of their board, and uh, AL.com or any other lefty media outlet said, hey, uh, we're going to reach out to these guys and get them to comment, and, and we put them off for two weeks. How do you think that goes down? Yeah, that's the other piece. I mean, it wasn't like y'all didn't try. I mean, how many times did y'all try to reach either Harris or Mackey's staff for comment on this before you went, went live with the story? Well, I know that, well, Mackey's uh, side at least three times. Uh, now I was told uh, they, they only knew of two, but... Uh, and, and one of the times was on a uh, the board meeting day where they, where they just they don't do media on board meeting days. Uh, I, I I didn't know that was a rule, but I said, well, well, guys, why didn't y'all just hit us up that next day? Hurricane Ian is looking like it's going to hit Florida's west coast in the next few days and avoid any part of the Alabama coastline. The city of Hoover has opened up its RV park for anyone fleeing that state who needs a place to stay. The 170 spots are free to hurricane evacuees and have power, water, and sewer hookups. Hoover Mayor Frank Bricado says the city has been offering this type of refuge from hurricanes and storms for years. 
For more in-depth stories affecting the state of Alabama, go to 1819news.com. In national news, since we're talking about Hurricane Ian, that storm is now a Category 3 major hurricane and is likely to strengthen today as it seems to be headed to the South Tampa Bay area. The hurricane will make landfall by Wednesday night. Governor Ron DeSantis has warned Floridians that catastrophic flooding and life-threatening storm surges are coming and that those within vulnerable areas of that state should heed the evacuation orders. Those in Sarasota, Florida, and all up the western coast to Tampa Bay have been advised to evacuate. President Joe Biden has made several telephone calls to the mayors of Tampa, St. Petersburg, and Clearwater in regards to the incoming hurricane. Those calls were recorded in a transcript by the White House and released to the public. Biden has yet to call Republican Governor Ron DeSantis about the storm, though. That fact was confirmed by the Director of Federal Emergency Management Administration, FEMA, and that director is Deanne Criswell, who held a press conference on Tuesday. In, in the past, President, Trump, uh, President Biden excuse me, has made calls to governors in situations of natural disasters, uh, KIV in Alabama or Asa Hutchinson in Arkansas um, or uh, the governor in Texas. Is, is there any, can you articulate, I guess, how those determinations are made and why, why it hasn't been made in this case to, to have the president call the governor? Yeah, the, the president is very focused on making sure that the federal family has the right resources available to support this. Um, that is why I contacted the governor right away, and we have a team of my senior leadership that are embedded with the governor to make sure that we're supporting that. Our focus today is making sure that we have the right measures in place to support the life-saving activities that need to happen. Any conversations afterwards will need to be, uh, we need to see what the, uh, the damages are. But uh, he's made conversations with the mayors, so is there any reason why not the governor? Again, we have a strong team that's in place supporting the governor right now, working side by side with him and his staff. We'll continue to stay engaged with him. A poll of Americans that was sponsored by Bank of America shows that 71% of employees are poorer two years into the Biden administration and with the rise of inflation. The poll also shows that 61% of those who took the survey believe the U.S. economy has entered a recession. The survey was conducted in July of this year and it regards those Americans who have a 401k retirement plan. 62% say they feel stressed about their personal finances. This past June, inflation rates hit a record high of 9.1%. Legal experts predicted it, and now it has happened. The Pacific Legal Foundation is a group of libertarians out of Sacramento, California, who have launched a lawsuit against the Biden administration for the Student Loan Forgiveness Plan. The organization's attorney, Caleb Kruckenberg, says the executive branch made a policy decision by way of a press release and not with statutory authority. Kruckenberg contends that Congress did not authorize this action and that President Biden cannot unilaterally cancel student debt. The lawsuit was filed in the state of Indiana since that state plans to tax any student who gets their debt canceled under the Biden plan. The named plaintiff in this case is Frank Garrison, who works with the Pacific Legal Foundation and lives in Indiana. He says getting his student loan debt canceled automatically under this plan will force him to incur a one-time tax liability that he doesn't want. This lawsuit comes the same week that the Congressional Budget Office estimates that Joe Biden's student loan forgiveness plan will cost U.S. taxpayers at least $400 billion, let me repeat that, $400 billion with a B, dollars. Oh, and speaking of the state of Indiana, there are a whole lot of Satan worshipers there, apparently. 
There are 11,300 members in the state of Indiana who are part of the Satanic Temple, even though it's actually based out of Salem, Massachusetts. Well, now the Satanic Temple is suing the state of Indiana for its abortion-restricting law. They are likening abortion to a religious ritual. They claim it's unconstitutional and infringes on a woman's right to control her body at will. The members of the Satanic Temple argue that a fetus is non-viable and not imbued with existence, humanity, or a spiritual life separate from the mother. The lawsuit has been filed against the Republican Governor Eric Holcomb and its State Attorney General Todd Rokiat. The Biden administration has also been vocally opposed to the Indiana abortion restriction, with White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre calling it a devastating step to eliminate a woman's reproductive right to an abortion. The state law went into effect this month and prohibits abortions except in cases of rape, incest, or protecting the life of the mother. Well, this week, a British cardiologist did a 180 reversal on his stance regarding COVID-19 vaccines. Dr. Asim Malhotra was one of the first to get the mRNA vaccine that was offered by Pfizer. But when his dad suddenly died in the summer of 2021, Malhotra was shocked and started to look into the details of the COVID vaccines, especially when it comes to myocarditis. Malhotra then conducted a nine-month study of the data and recently released that peer-reviewed report. He also spoke on video to the Freeman Report this week. We now know it causes myocarditis in probably up to 2,700 people, which is inflammation of the heart muscle. We know there's a signal for cardiac arrest. Recent uh, data from Israel published in Nature Report shows in the ages of people aged between 16 and 39, there was a 25% increase in either heart attacks or cardiac arrests, um, not linked to COVID, but absolutely linked to the uh, the vaccines the mrna vaccine so as far as i'm concerned the evidence is overwhelming this vaccine does have a strong link with increasing cardiac risk risk and cardiac death the cardiologist did not spare those colleagues within the medical institutions that he once agreed with saying they've been captured by other corporate interests traditionally in medicine of all drugs that we prescribe or we give or we use to treat illness or even from a prevention perspective, vaccines traditionally have been the safest and traditional vaccines are still, in my view, the safest. But this particular vaccine was rolled out in very unusual, unexpected circumstances. It got emergency use authorization. Um, And I think for me, what really made me realize that there was something more sinister going on was when it got mandated. There was no, you know, uh, what we normally do in this country, we've never mandated other vaccines. We use persuasion and encouragement for people to take vaccines. But when it got mandated, for me, I then realized that there was something else going on, which has now translated very clearly for me, that this was primarily to serve the profits of the drug industry, of Pfizer in this particular case, not that of public health. And there needs to be an inquiry. And until we get this, an open, transparent discussion, I think that the situation in terms of our health, in terms of moving forward for the future of medicine, is very, very dire. You're listening to The Daily Detail from 1819 News. I'm Andrea Tice. I will be back again tomorrow. I look forward to updating you then. Alabama. Alabama. Our great state. Alabama. Of Alabama. This has been The Daily Detail. For more up-to-date news, go to 1819news.com, where you'll find honest news and Alabama values. 